1: Welcome to Taking Back Our quarter is the officially unofficial podcast for We Own This City on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking, uh, we're, we're covering feedback for episode four. Uh, we had a lot of feedback come in and the podcast went a little long, so we decided to break this off into a separate episode uh, so we can give it the attention it deserves. Aaron, how, just how much feedback do we have over there? We
0: got a lot, and fifty uh, percent and rising was a particular point of order that uh, I, I messed up, and 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 I, I didn't want oh uh, five to go out because we had already pre-recorded that. And I'm like, did you oh miss my God. another
1: wire alum? Is
0: that what happened? I got, here? I missed a wire alum, and I was <laughs> what made it worse. is I was, I was so proud of catching donut that I missed any even who was a peripheral character in season four that I missed the the, the star. Uh, corners at baldmove.com is how you send us feedback for we own the city uh Christie was the first but by f- not 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 the only one to <laughs> tell me that you she was tell me you did not miss Dookie's beautiful dimples I just don't believe it he's the young cop who does his job she was referring to Jermaine Crawford who played in season four of the wire Duquan aka Dookie Queens. Or Weems, rather, uh, he is the 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 sad kid that uh, was uh, kind of like the, the 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 most wretched of the kids in a situation, borderline homeless, uh, flunks out of or drops out of school, ends up addicted to, to heroin at the end of this the the series is at the ripe right mm. age of fourteen or fifteen. But turns out, got his shit cleaned up, and uh, it's one of the one of the cops doing his job in, in Baltimore. So good for <laughs> yeah. you, Dookie. Uh, She also says, I think what you may have heard in your life is sex is not allowed in the VIP room, which is not the same as there is no sex in the VIP room. True, true. Hmm. Uh, (laughs) I heard there was no sex
1: in the champagne room. Is that that's the same thing?
0: You can't. I mean, you got to be a VIP to drink champagne in a strip club, right? Probably Again, bottle service. Maybe it's the same. I don't know. Like I said, never been in a strip club. Uh, so, yes, I got it. I got it. The, the, the gold made it back to King's Landing. Nacho pulled glass out of a trash can. And Dookie <laughs> was in season or episode three of the show. Thank you. Thank you. I get it. I think uh, mm-hmm. I feel I feel I feel I feel ashamed. I feel ashamed that I missed oh. it. Um, Lynch Lady Jessica says also in missed wire references. The nice older woman who talked to the police uh, played Cedric's wife in the wire. Uh, She left him and ran for city council. And I remember her, but I would. Yeah, that I, I completely missed that. Um, So thank you for pointing that out. Lynch Lady Jessica. Moving on to other business. Sewell says here. I was thinking that Wayne Jenkins was a guy whose 90s movie style bent the law, but didn't break it. Nope. Mm. This motherfucker is Alonzo off of training day becoming yeah. clear when mamadou said the clean white cut white guy was the only one who was clean he was being serious even the sergeant of the fa- task force is stealing and not even breaking bread with his boys corruption of the corrupted wonder how many of those dealers they stole money off of and didn't report it have died in a similar way I loved episode 3 it may be a slow burn but god damn it is it good um, I agree I, I, I thought that they were going to set up Wayne Jenkins as a tough gruff but fourth fifth and sixth amendment uh respecting officer doing the right job uh doing, doing things right in opposition of the obviously corrupt and bloody minded Herschel. but boy was i wrong i was completely wrong with what the the uh, how that all went oh yeah they're two peas in a pod man if anything her, uh jenkins is worse because Herschel's just you know a, ah know nah, he, he steals shit too yeah yeah, yeah. they're all bad <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say once you get to a certain level of like, you know, you got a badge on your chest and you're behaving this way, then there's it's just all all in this the lowest circle of hell. Lewis says this show definitely has a wire vibe, but it pisses you off to see these thugs with badges deemed uh, that they're doing good police work. This further shows why the general public distrust police as a whole. It's probably a broken system that we may never have a fix for. Man, I don't want to believe that. Never. Uh, yeah, because because we need we need police, especially in metro areas where they got twenty million of us living on top of each other. You gotta mm-hmm. have some people uh, who you trust with state monopoly of force to come in and uh, to, to 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 you know in, in enforce the peace, keep the law, that kind of thing. Um, I think the show's got some ideas on on how we can can make things better. I think I've got some ideas. Um, there's going to be some ideas explored here in an email, but I don't I don't think we can give up. That's the problem. Like, yeah. what is giving up even looking like? Just fire the entire police uh, force of Baltimore and say good luck.
1: I mean, oh, it's definitely up on, on law enforcement. Yeah. yeah yeah I mean and the people who say you know defund the police who are chanting that aren't don't actually literally mean get rid of all police uh, That that's the difference between like what you think wh- what you think when you hear that slogan and what they actually mean which is why yeah. it's such a bad fucking slogan I Um, agree. And, and also to the muddy the waters there's certainly a no small amount of anarchists that are chanting right, that, sure. that
0: just believe it yeah yeah
1: right right but certainly it's not the majority and I, you know defunding the police just means like why Why are we giving police tanks? Why are we giving these people the tools to be the thugs that they want to be when, mm-hmm. you know, we we could maybe police them a little bit more, police the police? And also, like, there are other ways to deal with the issues that we are currently dealing with uh, with police officers. Mm-hmm. There's mental health uh, issues involved. There's uh, underpinning education and societal issues. Uh, yeah pressure is that you could put into place on these communities that will help them all rise up uh, a little bit and help their boats float a little higher. And maybe there wouldn't be so much crime and we wouldn't need police with tanks. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's countries like the UK,
0: for example, a uh, pretty large populace has heavily urbanized centers, has a pretty good de- degree of uh, racial, ethnic and religious, uh, um what do you what do you call that uh, diversity, diversity. Mm-hmm. and their patrol officers don't even have guns yeah um so like how do you explain that you know <laughs> why <laughs> why does this seem to be a, a like a uniquely american problem why can't why can't we get this uh why can't we get this fixed um i think until we start looking at Out of the box solutions um, were, you know, like because because this isn't this isn't uh, I I don't think it's beyond reform, but it's certainly not Mm -hmm. just a few bad apples. It's certainly not just a few screws loose that you can tighten up. There needs to be some some major overhauling. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it's just hard to, and especially when so many vested people that are have vested interest in the process are completely uninterested in change and are insulated from the pain of the, the present. It's, it's, a, it's a tough situation. Um, Dom says Greetings, Jim and Aaron. I've been a long time listener. Shout out to 2 bit encryption. Uh, first time writer. Love to hear it, Dom. I figure what a better time to submit my first feedback than for a first show taking place on my home turf. As a Maryland lifer, I want to commend the amazing performances by Bernthal and Josh Charles this season. Besides looking the part to a T, (laughs) giant earlobes are a mark of the Baltimorean, (laughs) I tell you. Uh Uh, Besides looking the part to a T, both have absolutely nailed the working class Baltimore dialect, Jenkins in particular. Both feel very natural, unlike Dominic West's McNulty, who let his British
1: slip in sometimes. Um, Is he doing a a vocal performance or is this just... John Bernthal, because I, I don't know that I can tell he's any different from any of his other Dude, roles.
0: What's wild is listening to John Bernthal just talk on an interview, because he sounds completely different from. I mean, his recognizable will be John Bernthal, but I can mm-hmm. now see that like he was doing uh, a deep fried southern performance in the walking dead Let me ask you some rick and he's doing whatever to <laughs> fuck that weird Baltimore delco accent that you know is getting a lot because yeah, like the first I, guess time I, I do heard hear it, it now yeah the, the first time i heard it was an american horror story freak show where kathy bates was taking it for a spin i'm like what is this mush mouth weirdo oh it's that's like this is how people in baltimore talk And and then you heard it like it was it it broke out last year with um, uh, the uh, 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 mayor of Winningham uh, Mm -hmm. because that all took place in in around this area. They all had the really strong, thick Baltimore accent. So and I guess Berntal is nailing it. I've heard that mentioned by several people that he and 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 he spent, I guess, hours watching body cam footage and listening to testimony from to get uh, Jenkins accent and his code switching and you know, mm-hmm. when he's when he's, you know, talk to putting on uh, African-American vernacular uh, did nail that. And I think it, it's paid off because I've heard a lot of praise, a lot of praise for it. Nice. Uh, I can tell that the cast spent a lot of time with Baltimore locals as attention to detail has so far been impeccable. Also want to mention the Jenkins forty eight dollar bushel of crabs from the prior episode goes for at least two to three times that these days. Hmm. Keep up the good work and much love from cloudy Maryland. Yeah. I don't know why inflation wouldn't hit the crab bucket as mm-hmm. much as it does the pump nowadays, but uh, yeah, $150, ba- $150 for medium crabs, man. <laughs> What's going on in this country? Next, Nick C. I'm not sure what the show is getting at when the sergeant has shown his theft got the dealer murdered because even if they did that, stop by the book, which our messed up system allows, that money would still have been taken and the murder would still have happened. Yes, even in small counties, cops get paid more than most attorneys. I
1: guess that's the thing. You can view this as an indictment of of civil forfeiture rules, too. Well, but so I want to I think what if I'm if I'm putting
0: my hat, my understanding hat on here, I think what Nick is saying is this was treated as like a booyah moment by Mm -hmm. the investigators that like. You know, yeah, I might have taken some money, I might have done this, I might have done that, but I got bad guys off the street, and I got drugs off the street, and I got guns off the street, suck my police dick. And then they're like, Well, you got a guy killed because his drug and then it's like everything changed. I wonder if this is like in terms of like what this looks like in a jury. Um, that like even if you get a very mm. pro-law enforcement, like the fact that like there was an actual directly attributed to human cost. Um, yeah, and and the other thing is like they mention it is his supplier, but like what if he just owed a bookie? You know, like what if he owned Tony, uh, owed Tony Soprano ten grand because he's trying to cover? Like, you know, that's also wrong. But you know, uh, and, and 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 again, the the thing that I always go back to all of these things about like, well, these guys deserve it. They're no angels. That kind of defense is. Unless the statutory punishment for the crime they're committing is summary summary execution, right? No one deserves to die, especially especially not for for drug infractions. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I just think that's a a bright a bright line. That um, and and the other thing I think that this show is doing a good job because certainly the police killings of unarmed black men in this country get a lot of the headlines. Mm-hmm. But what this show, that's not the that's not the whole issue. Um, if anything, that's the tip of the iceberg. Right. Because for every black man that gets killed in the back of a police wagon and police custody who gets, uh, mur- you know, who gets strangled for selling a loose cigarette, uh, there are thousands of. They get jammed up. They get robbed. They get civil forfeiture. They get their cars. They get their cars towed. That you know, for one hundred fifty dollars a day, that they can never get out of. In, that lose their jobs. That get into the system. They get charged with fines. They get you know stuff that like you, just just going down the the street with a you know a a, a joint in your pocket um, is you know if, if you're doing nothing else you can get if you're on the wrong corner you get jumped out on and suddenly you're in the system. And you're getting fucked with. And the fact that that affects, you know, black people and other minorities at rates disproportionate to the amount of crime that they commit. That's the thing. It's it's not just the murders. It's not just a Freddie Gray's. It's the constant war that these departments are waging on their own citizens, even the ones that are, you know, straight. Sure. So. Yeah, and I, 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 as far as like why that was played that in a series, it's 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 not entirely clear to me. Other than you can directly tie a body to a cop, and you know that would probably play pretty poorly in a jury. That's the only thing I can think of. Sure. Marcus says, I was just listening to coverage of episode three, and Aaron mentioned the usage of body cameras by the police. I'm from Sao Paulo, Brazil, and wanted to share this. He um, shared with me an article um, that's written in Portuguese, but he gives some highlights here. The main point of the article is the government in the state of Sao Paulo has picked up a few battalions of military police to start using body cameras. Uh, He also explains in Brazil, there you have a civil and military police, the civil ones are the ones that do like the investigative detective detective work, and the military police are the ones that essentially answer nine one one. And the battalions that use the cameras they registered a decrease of eighty seven percent in confrontations and thirty two percent drop in reports of resisting arrest. Uh, but the cops kept working as flagrant arrests were up forty one percent and gun seizures grew by twelve percent. It's interesting because. This makes a lot of sense when I hear the statistic, like eighty-seven to, uh, percent decrease in confrontations. Maybe the officers are cooled down a little bit. Thirty-two mm-hmm. percent reports of resisting arrest. I've also heard that it, there's a corresponding drop in some of these communities to try it of people who are uh, reporting police malfeasance. Probably because the police are more restrained, but also because the people know that like they can't just say the cop did this and cop did that, and it's like it's all all the shits on camera. Uh, sure. It, ideally protects both sides of the the thing
1: yeah you would think so um and did you say there was also a some kind of uh mirrored like rise in crime no no i think he's he's saying that like um this wasn't like because some people
0: might say well there's a decrease in this but is because the cops were not doing their job but like at the exact same time all the decreases and the bad things the cops are doing uh there was also an increase in arrests so oh okay gotcha you know like crime drops in baltimore is it because crime dropped or is it because the cops are doing a work stoppage you know where the, right. the, this yeah so uh marcus says but there's an election in october and some candidates want to scrap the program in hopes of getting the police union support sure it's a different country and situation but it's an interesting thing to compare um yeah yeah uh
1: yeah there's a lot of political games that, that are right. being played right This game of musical chairs. You had a politician in there who, you know, got this thing done and it's working. And the next person in line is eager to say, uh, hey, we'll promise you this if you get behind us Um, and it can all go downhill fast. I guess
0: I just I just don't understand the opposition to body cams. Um, I can understand, like, if they were on literally 24 seven, like when you're taking a shit. When you're having lunch, when you're clocking out at night. But it's my understanding that there are protocols for turning that on and off. And, you know, there's also ways to catch, like, you know, it's pretty obvious if a cop, uh, it's like going up to do a stop and his body cam shuts off for five minutes and then there's a person bleeding in the street and in handcuffs, like, you know, um, and there's also going to be technical problems. But it feels like to be just in opposition of wearing a body cam. Feels like a red fucking flag to me.
1: Oh yeah, I mean guys like Wayne Jenkins are in opposition to it. Uh, who cut off their, yeah. their supply of cash? Uh, yeah, and probably get them fired. Honestly, uh, but
0: why are the rank? Why are all the rank and file? Uh, against it is it just but the police union like whips them up about it because like the other thing is sometimes you get this shit like I I'm a motorcycle rider I have been since I was 18 I've used to be in different organizations like ABATE uh, and the Motorcycle uh, Safety Foundation and I stopped supporting I think it was ABATE because they were like uh, no helmet absolutionists. <laughs> like their, the majority of their fundraising went to like Kentucky's considering passing a helmet law. We need everyone that believes in from like the freedom to get your fucking head removed for your What the fuck is like? W- yeah, I don't understand like rights maximalists like that. Uh, like the the the, the freedom to be free of food and safety. Uh, regulations, the freedom to be free of, uh, you know, life-saving. Yeah. Like, if I want to gargle it, I should be able to gargle it. Goddamn. Like, no. No. Goddamn. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com/system all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com/system. Knock that fire down, nineteen.
1: Copycat, let's move.
0: Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I can't. I don't understand that mentality. I never have. Um, Mason, if you could pick if I can make a quick book recommendation for you, if you're not already familiar, as well as to the listeners, if you deem it appropriate, the new Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander uh, details how the drug wars essentially replaced Jim Crow policies as a means of oppression. I have read this book. Hmm. I read it about three years ago. I share your frustration with the, and it's a fantastic um, uh, it's a fantastic look at because, because that's when when we talk about institutional things like institutional racism, um, a lot of people, and I think it's it's instructive to like some of the first police organized police units in this country were revolved around um, enforcing slave laws and capturing escaped slaves. And especially when you're talking the South, that's almost like the the extent of the history of the police. Like that's how these things, these these state police, local police were created. And there is a lot of laundry that has been doing to those institutions over the years. But like the one of the things is um there's this desire to return to a status quo that a certain people are like on top, a certain people are down beneath. And like as you have a civil war that says you can't keep people as slaves then you come up with another system and one of the you know like uh, the 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 13th amendment that abolishes uh, slavery makes an exception for people who have been duly convicted of uh, felonies so -hmm. you can enslave a person and force them into labor and the 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 context of new jim crow is like The drug law, the drug war has 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 just a huge explosion. Like you average like something like 400000 Americans in in some sort of penitentiary in 1970. We're up to like four million, four million American citizens in prison at any one time in this country. Like and, and they're predominantly black and brown. What does that look like other than an in round around the laws and restrictions we put in place to, to, to make equality? So it's, it's an interesting book um, that has a lot of information to back up that argument. Mason says, I share in your frustration with the criminal justice system. It's beyond infuriating. There's so many fundamental problems with the current system from top to bottom in every facet. It's overwhelming from the ways laws are written and worded to how they're enforced. Racial profiling, civil asset forfeiture, coercive interrogations that lead to false confessions. Cash bail, plea bargain, sentence, sentencing disparities. Then once you're in prison, the violent, solitary confinement, lack of medical care, untreated mental health and phone call scams run by companies like Securus.
1: Are you familiar with this? Oh, yeah. F- yeah, I read about these companies.
0: Yeah, like uh, everywhere in the whole fucking planet, we figured out a way to make free long-distance phone calls, except in prison. It's yeah. 1985 all over again. You get to pay five ninety-nine a minute to talk to your loved ones.
1: Yeah, dial 1-900 uh, prison cell
0: to talk yeah. to, to your friends and <laughs> family. Call yeah. The, yeah, so you can t- call dad during fucking Christmas. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. When you're finally out of prison, you then got problems with parole and probation system that set up for former inmates to fail and be returned to prison, background checks that 40 year olds from getting a job because something they did when they're 20 and that's not even an exhaustive list every aspect of the criminal justice system seems broken how do you fix so many problems they're so myriad the status quo is so entrenched there are so many people who profit and benefit from the current system so little political will to implement the needed wholesale reform there's just no easy solution sadly it's going to take a lot of incremental changes over many years likely decades meanwhile millions will continue to suffer One solution that's most plausible and would have the biggest impact would be the decriminalization or even better legalization of all drugs. The drug war is far from the sole problem that ails the system, but it is the biggest. Of course, there's no political will to decriminalize all drugs right now. We Can't even get cannabis decriminalized at the federal level. Forget about meth and coke and heroin. Still, this drug war fever will break. It has to. The drug war is a joke and everyone knows it's a failure. We've got 50 years of evidence proving as much. 60 years if you count prohibition. With overdose deaths now exceeding 100,000 a year thanks to fentanyl and the drug warrior generation aging and being replaced in positions of power by younger, more enlightened generations, the status quo isn't sustainable, not forever. Um, I want to pause there. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that, Jim?
1: I was recently sitting and thinking about the current state of, of our political systems and how we are we are so divided as a country um, and i was trying to think of an an issue that everyone could potentially agree on this something that could happen that was so beyond the pale that was so heinous that everyone could point to that thing and say this is awful it needs to change now and i, I thought in in my heart of hearts that it would have been a global pandemic that had the potential to kill millions of our fellow countrymen and then i realized oh that happened and the and nobody came together actually it drove us farther apart and that's the scary thing to me the the way like that i look at this and start to lose hope that it could actually change and that any will of the people could, and that there is will of the people at this point because the people are are so opposed to each other um it, i just don't know how you get Change when everybody is pushing it, two halves are pushing in opposite directions against each other. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's possible. And the people at the top who are benefiting off these systems uh, like the status quo and have an incentive to keep it that way. They They can continue to do the thing they've been doing, which is divide us all and let us fight over scraps while they take the cream off the top. I don't know how you change that.
0: Yeah, and especially this, this this hope where the the drug warrior generation aging and being replaced by positions of, of power by younger, more enlightened generations. I'm 45. I want to caution you, Mason. I don't know how old you are against relying right? on that because I, the drug warrior generation, the boomers, are the ones who protested the Vietnam War, that marched for civil rights, that smoked more dope and did more acid than any other generation before them. But what happens is they get houses. They're concerned with their property values. They have children, and my God, did you have you heard the, how much stronger the marijuana is nowadays? And the, the marijuana that we smoked, and you know, like the the, the 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 you know this this ecstasy is way worse than the acid we used to take. And you forget what it's like to be a kid. You forget what it's like to be young. And you fear that your kids are going to turn out to be just like you, and you try to keep that from happening. I don't think there's like, and, and I look at my generation, Generation X uh the, the 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 you look at polling and like we're starting to pull a lot like the baby boomers maybe with exceptions with like gay rights but certainly in other things in terms of like law enforcement uh trans rights uh racial justice it's hard to tell the difference between the 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 gen x and the, the boomers before them so like Ah, I'm not sure. Just like you take a a cop right out of the academy who's been taught by a a, a cop to respect uh, all the right. You know, they're they're, they're caught correctly and you put them in a patrol car with a person. It's like, you know what? Fuck all that bullshit. This is how it really is. You take a person who's raised, uh, you know, or, or, or has generally agreeable beliefs and you sit them in front of Fox News and OAN and Newsmax and their politics will drift in a way that you don't want it to and i i don't like you know that's that's a problem with systemic things is it's a factory that churns out people that do a particular thing and it's the thing that they've always done right and it it works in our schools it works in our places of employment um yeah it's 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 bad i I again i i i agree that like um eventually this fever will break but i don't know what it's going to take to break it you know like it might take us really going through a lot of societal pain and losing a lot of money and losing a lot more of our rights before we we wake up to it because like yeah look at prohibition 10 years of that shit and we're like fuck this we're going on 40 50 the drug war what the hell yeah um Mason continues with conservative states, reembracing the laboratories of democracy theory to implement all kinds of authoritarian measures. It will be up to liberal states to show the country that decriminalization decriminalization works. Oregon is leading the way on this. Again, it's not an easy overnight solution. It will be a long arduous process, but it's our best hope as I see it.
1: And I, I mean, do they care that it works though? I, I don't think the people who need to change these things care that something works. It has to work for them is the thing. Um, that, 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 it that's, makes a lot of money. See. It's like, it, sure, sure. That, that, that <laughs> could be the one saving grace here, right? That yeah. like, taxation on drugs could make a hell of a lot of money for people who are in positions of power to make these changes.
0: Uh, finally, says one other solution I've heard from David Simon himself years ago is jury nullification. If you're ever on a jury during a drug crime trial, you can vote not guilty no matter what. You're completely within your rights to do so. It doesn't matter if the person is on 4K video making the transaction while holding his driver's license for the camera to zoom in on and immediately confesses you can vote not guilty and no one can do a thing about it. All it takes is one person. It's a great idea in theory and in reality. If enough people committed to the idea, it could make a dent in the drug war. Unfortunately, um, can't make a significant impact because of the problem listed above plea bargains. Varying amongst jurisdictions, but generally 90 to 95% of all cases charged end in, in a plea bargain. Prosecutors overcharge defendants knowing they could never get a conviction on all the charges, but do it anyway so they can go to the defendant and say, hey, you go to trial, you'll face 20 years in prison, or you can plead guilty and you'll only get five and be out in three. Or if you're in a, got a misdemeanor charge, they'll come at you with you can plead guilty today and go home today with time served, or you can sit in jail another six months, or a year awaiting your trial. It's devious and cruel, and it happens to numerous people in every state all day, every day. Um, so anyway, what do you think about this jury nullification business?
1: I mean, <laughs> they have systems to weed these people out. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Everybody could just get up there and say, uh, yeah, no, I, I support law enforcement, whatever. And then, you know, just lie through their teeth to get on a jury to to maybe have the opportunity to say, no, I won't convict a drug user or whatever. But I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a, a reasonable solution. Yeah, I've never actually been called to serve on a jury. It's something that I'm super frustrated
0: with because I would love to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like if I answered truthfully to most of the questions they put before right. in a panel jury jurist, I would be dismissed. And I think if, if ever we really started using jury nullification in a serious way in this country, this system would find ways to punish those people to the extent that like. Yeah, they're going to start holding you for perjury if you yeah. say that you yeah. would do this and then you don't. in the jury, like I, because they can, right? You're making mm-hmm. sworn statements about your beliefs. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like uh, something, a phrase that I've, I, I think is extremely wise, is there are no individual solutions to systemic problems, and jury nullification is the ultimate in individual solutions, and it mm-hmm. might be able to dispense justice here and there, but it's it's probably not going to get us where we need to go. Uh, yeah. that's going to be consistent showing up at the ballot box and, 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 you know, doing all the other shit we'd supposed to do in a healthy democracy to make the system work. Uh, T says, Hey, I'm really enjoying your takes on we own this city. Uh, I really appreciate that you took time to familiarize yourself with the facts of the Freddie Gray case as people who don't necessarily have to as a black woman. I have my own thoughts and feelings about police officers. And for the most part, they are not favorable though. I can recognize not all police are bad. What I'm most happy about is people finally getting to see that a lot of the time, black and brown people are not exaggerating. I feel one of the things this show is accurately portraying is the nature of policing in America. To these people, the nature of policing is to wield and exert large amounts of power over marginalized groups with no real oversight. Every complaint by the community is seen as a sign that they are doing good work. The black and brown communities serve as prey for rogue police departments. A lot of time, worse than the criminals they're actually taking off the streets. The people who are cops appear to be dropouts, jocks and otherwise men and women with easily bruised and dented egos or fourth generation. I don't have to work hard to get my job because granddaddy McDougal and my dad, Sean McDougal, will make sure that even if I do suck at the testing and stuff, legacy will get me on the force. One tactic cops do is to quickly pull up on a corner where people are sitting and standing as if to hit them. And then when people naturally scatter because they thought they're going to get hit by a car or what have you, the cops jump out and chase them and call it evading a police officer. When the person says, what was I doing? But standing there, the cop says, well, if you weren't guilty of something, you wouldn't have ran. Anyway, I mean, that's the thing. Like if an unmarked police car pulled up on me and four dudes jumped out and started running towards me. I would fucking run mm-hmm. in my own goddamn neighborhood. Uh, yeah, this is, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's this is, this is just the systematic equivalent of Herschel body checking somebody and saying, oh, he yeah. assaulted me, right? Yeah. Anyways, the question residents of New Orleans, Seattle, Portland, Detroit, Virgin Islands, East Haven, Connecticut, Cleveland, Meridian, and Missouri, Maricopa County, Arizona, and Roxbury, Massachusetts, uh, which are amongst the communities currently serving. Uh, police duties under some sort of consent decree uh they want to ask is who actually polices the police um i, I feel like maybe that's another solution as a truly independent internal affairs department that is not <laughs> part of the police structure at all that mm-hmm. you know but but that so so the other the other issue that this show hasn't gone into that here is a big problem is, you know, the whole, whole whole show law and order, you know, the police investigate crimes, find evidence and the prosecutor persecu- prosecutes them in, in court. Right. Yeah. If the prosecutors get the police all pissed off at them, they can't do their jobs. So there's this like left hand shaking the other. It's like, well, we're going to look the other It's not just the internal cops. It's just the prosecutors are holding the responsibility. We're supposed to be holding responsible, having a vested interest to kind of go easy and look the other way, too
1: um yeah and then you think okay well the fbi is kind of the third party here right the the federal level stuff right um they can come in and dispassionately and and uh you know judge these things but i don't know it takes a lot to get there a to where you have a federal federal investigation stuff's probably pretty bad already um and then yeah we we see these people being promoted into federal positions all the time uh you know, you talked about uh, what's his name? Is it Allers went to the DOJ um, or the the DEA? Yeah, DEA. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard to say. You know, if they're pulling from the local pools of law enforcement that are corrupt and bad into the federal positions, at some point the federal positions are all chummy with the local guys too. So, right. What do you do? Uh, I, I do think like the one thing you said there um, uh, about sort of people waking up to the fact that these are problems within black and brown communities uh, with law enforcement. I, I was definitely someone who was not like, didn't think that this stuff didn't happen, but was unconcerned that it happened. It happened because I didn't think it mm-hmm. happened nearly as much. And over the years, things like the TV, TV shows like the wire and TV shows like uh, we own the city and real life uh, cell phone footage and just uh, all all the things that you see on the news all the time. Eventually that adds up to, Oh, actually my opinion on, Hey, this can't be a super widespread problem changes to the point where I understand now this is just constant. Um, and it's something that needs to be dealt with. Not, not some one-off thing. Uh, I did, I definitely didn't feel that way, you know, 10, 15 years ago. When Mm -hmm. when we started this whole thing, I was kind of just like, "Eh, I don't I don't see the the big problem here. But man, over these last couple of decades, it's just you get hit with these stories so often and so frequently, it's impossible to ignore. Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, um, it's easy to be in a bubble,
0: but it's also it's easy to, you know, forget uh, that in the 80s and 90s, some of the people championing for increased policing in urban areas were the black communities themselves seeing. Hmm. You know, crack cocaine and drug use, ripping their communities apart, increasing the violence, asking for someone to do something. So you you flood the place with police, which you find more crime and that, you know, like it's 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 something that uh, we've all as a citizens had a hand um, in creating. And some of us citizenry who are more directly affected by it are, you know, I've been saying this for for over for two decades now, and some of us are slow to. Uh, to see it, but like you know, it's it's hard to find a community that hasn't been affected by drug trafficking at this point and hasn't felt the boot, the jack boot of the state on their neck. Mm-hmm. Like I said like with the meth, that's like when you know poor white people started getting caught up and like what the fuck, you know. Um, but I, yeah, the other thing is what she's a tease mentioned about the attitude of the cops. I think that's interesting because we talked about uh, over there in, in Britland, how the the vast majority of their plain their their cops don't have guns. And it's interesting because they're trained to to deal with armed threats, people with knives and and unlicensed guns with two concepts, de-escalation and time distance cover. Instead of running in there with three squad cars and getting, you know, 20 feet away and having 16 people scream various variations of drop your gun, get on the ground, lace your fingers, blah, they actually get their cars like with with maintain visual contact but they stay behind their cars and cover and they radio uh in and cooperate and they 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 try to give the the they don't they don't escalate the situation You know, the person with the knife, it's like, you know, maybe they have a hostage, maybe they don't. They try to evacuate the area, give them time to cool things off, give distance so they don't feel as much in threat and get behind cover so they feel safe. Everything that our officers don't do, our officers jump out of their car with a bunch of them, guns drawn, escalating the situation, getting closer uh, to the harm, not taking any cover. Like, you know, we saw like a year or two ago where that UPS truck uh, with the the jewelry bandits, you know, cops came at those guys from 180 degrees, like firing bullets in every direction. It's it's Hmm. insane how how we do it. And I think that um, this 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 insistence on compliance with every order. And if a person gives you any, like, why would a cop give a shit about some guy jawing at him when they put bracelets on him and throw him in the back of the car? And I understand how it's, I understand how it's irritating Mm -hmm. because I've worked retail, but like, I think it's weird that your average Walmart greeter and burger flipper at McDonald's has better de-escalation skills than a person who carries a fucking gun has yeah. a level three bulletproof vest and a radio that can cut that can call 30 more just like him you know I mm-hmm. I, I the, like that this is the warrior cop mentality you know the idea that like you're at yeah. war every stop could be your last you can you're not going to go home to your family tonight if you fuck up like that needs to stop because it's not even that true
1: mm-hmm.
0: all right final email Peter S., I was born and raised in Baltimore, and I live still f- live nearby, so I figured I'd offer some additional context of how fucked the situation in Baltimore is. One, we are on our third police commissioner since Kevin Davis. That's the guy who is in the oh, series from five years ago, who is the one depicted in the show. Davis' mm-hmm. immediate successor had to resign in disgrace after six months due to be indicted on federal tax fraud charges. God. Great. To the incoming mayor referenced in a show, Catherine Pugh was just released from federal prison for fraud after selling non existing kids' books to major medical and educational institutions in Maryland. Oh, boy. I can't wait for you guys to see the next episode. Uh, Marilyn Mosby, our DA, is married to Nick Mosby, the current president of the Baltimore City Council. He was just written up by the City Ethics Board for campaign finance violations stemming from funneling money from a GoFundMe for Marilyn Mosby's upcoming court trial to his own campaign. <laughs> Side note here. Jim wondered if the charges against Mosby could be payback for charging the six officers in the Freddie Gray case. That's unlikely as the charges are all federal, not local, and the prosecutor brought them is a Biden admin mm. appointee. The show lists the city population as 620,000 in 2015. It's now at about 590,000, about a 5% mm. population lost, and rates of every violent crime have skyrocketed. On a per capita basis, more people are victims of gun violence in Baltimore than nearly anywhere else in the world. To sum up, a culture of graft, corruption, and exploitation extends far beyond the police department in the city. It's hard to see any serious improvement without being possible unless the city is put into receivership like Detroit was. Yeah. There's this word
1: you that John go Goodman first. Hmm?
0: There's this word that John Goodman uses in referring to the city of New Orleans in uh, season one of Treme. He's, He says it's misrule. the hmm. generations of misrule. that like the politics you, you you have a citizenry that's that's cynical and skeptical that elect uh, a, a, poli- a, a a polity that doesn't take their job seriously and are co-opted and corrupted and the ones that are actually trying to make a change are ostracized and taken down and marginalized. You, you get to a level of dysfunction and corruption to where there is no way to kind of like within the system to enact change. And like I said, I, I don't know where that looks like receivership a consent decree a federal retake you know like do you just fire all the baltimore police department and then get the maryland national guard in there to like enforce basic laws until you can train a whole new crop of uncorrupted like i i i don't i don't know but like jesus you know the city like people are fleeing the city like it's got the plague it seems like
1: it's yeah i mean that's insane I don't know. I talked about how some of these cops seem like they are opportunists, right? And then they see this racket they can run, uh, by, you know, uh, busting low level street criminals, taking their cash and living high on the hog. It seems like that doesn't just stop at law enforcement either. The people who can directly get their hands on it. It's it extends to the top, right? Oh, I see a city in crisis. I can exploit that to get power, to get money, to get connections. Uh, and I'm going to come in here and do it because everybody seems to be corrupt top to bottom in that city.
0: Yeah, misrule uh is is kind of saying it seems like it's the 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 lay of the land cuz you know you know, we talk about the uh the decriminalization of marijuana. That's something that pulls at plus 75% of right? Americans. Like it's be, it pulls more better for like Democrats than Republicans, but not by much. And it just feels insane that like i was honestly surprised trump didn't do it i thought like you know like trump three months before the election decriminalize or yeah federally decriminalizes marijuana part i he'd he'd be president today and i don't understand why someone hasn't done so it's like what what is the fucking deal man like the 30% of Americans who are kind of like sorted of conflict because only like, I mean, it's, it's 15% lobbyists. agree that we should keep doing what we're doing. There's like a, a, like another 15, 20% that's like unsure. But what were you about to say?
1: Oh, there's a lot of lobbyist money behind it. You think of private prisons, they lobby hard for these laws to stay on the books, uh, for this war on drugs to continue. There, there is a ton of money to be made off the war on drugs, um, and, and you know, you mentioned how there's a lot of money to be made from taxes, too. and I think you have to start seeing, okay, the 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 proof is irrefutable here. Like we, as politicians as as business people, will make more money from legalizing it than we will from from essentially uh, letting these private prisons continue to profit that they will dismantle that industry because it is an industry, right? And they have. Oh, yeah. They have fucking lobbyists. There are are prisons out there who are lobbying the government to get more people into prison. I mean, if that isn't fucked up, I don't know what
0: is. Yeah, I've seen like PowerPoints where they're actually being like, if you pass this law and this law, the rates of inmates will go up, which will make a profit and the employment. And yeah, yeah, it's it's uh,
1: disgusting. And I I do know that that makes me physically
0: sick that's not the biggest problem because like, I guess privatized prisons at the federal level. And I've, cause you know, I've, I've heard people say, but like, even if it's like 15% of the problem.
1: Yeah. It combines with profit
0: incentive to, to yeah. imprison human beings is morally reprehensible. We should be doing um,
1: everything we can not to imprison human beings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Not to make money off the ones we imprison. Yeah.
0: Uh. All right. That's all we got for taking back our corners slash we own the city this week. Again, corners at bald is how you want to get in touch with us. If you got something that you'd like to say, um, we hope you enjoy our conversation of episode five coming out next week. Uh, we got another opportunity to do feedback during that podcast. And again, if we have an overload like we did. We can always bust out a special feedback edition. Thanks, everyone, for participating. Really appreciate everyone uh listening uh don't give up (laughs) we can i I do think it will it'll be the work of of decades and a generation but we can make progress on this and i'm i'm curious to see what simon and pelicanos uh, what their thesis statement is going to be uh what their hypothesis is going to be at the end of this uh we'll see you next week until then i'm aaron and i'm jim later